0: open mine eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me open my eyes
1: Today's program is a long-awaited treat for me, a visit with Chris Williamson, the author of the song which gave me the name and the theme music for my program, Song of the Soul. But that song is only the tip of the iceberg in a wealth of beautiful, moving and spiritually profound music. Chris's role as one of the prominent voices of feminism and lesbians, including her part in founding the first women's record label, is a persistent gift to our society. With more than 20 CDs, Chris has been prolific and fertile for many hearts. Chris joins us by phone from Washington State. Chris, I am so very pleased to have you here for Song of the Soul.
2: Thank you, Mark. It's my pleasure.
1: And, of course, part of the reason it's my pleasure is because I've been doing Song of the Soul for almost six years now, and it's your song, Song of the Soul, that inspired and has been acting as my intro and outro music each week. So thank you so much for that inspiration, and it feels like guidance all these years.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. From what you told me earlier, you ask people, you invite people in to discuss the songs that have moved their soul and it's such a, an interesting way to, I think, delve into the depth and leads them where they need to go. You know, that's the thing I think about the physical being itself responds to music so beautifully. And even if you don't know the answers, you certainly can have some beautiful accompaniment as you go after the question.
1: One of the reasons, by the way, that I chose Song of the Soul as the name of my program is also because your song evokes that part of the Song of the Soul of living out spirit in the world. And I've always had the sense of all the music of yours I've collected over the years that you've been on a steep, deep spiritual journey for all of these years. Do you want to mention something about that? I'm sure it's there and everybody has a spiritual journey of some sort, but yours has struck me as particularly deep.
2: Oh, thank you. And you said steep at first, and sometimes it is very steep. It is deep, and it is ongoing. I'm pretty sure it's a life's journey. And you sort of have to really get that it is a journey, and, and you may not be able to even get to whatever the end is. You know, even when we pass from this world, we really don't know anything. Here we are in this amazing planet, this beautiful place, Where people find different things as sacred. And I, maybe because of the way I was raised, I was raised in, you know, the prairies and mountains of Wyoming and South Dakota and Colorado. And my father was a forest ranger and naturalist of the old school where actually people received tremendous inspiration from the natural world. And we were not far from it. We were a part of it. And I came out of that world out into cities where people need music so badly. They need that kind of food and medicine. And I felt always really fortunate, A, that I had a voice and could sing. And then finally, as I began to write my own music, that for some reason, unknown to me, I was satisfying something for a whole lot of people. They turn to my music for healing and well-being and sometimes just laughter and a sense that they belonged in the world because somebody was saying exactly what they had thought or felt all this time without being able to put words to it. But what matters so much to me is that people take it up, that they learn to write their own feelings, that they start paying attention to their own depth of feeling and follow where it leads them and don't depend on me or anybody to do it for you, but to begin to do it for yourself. Song of the Soul certainly invites us to be a participant in our own lives, not just to sit back and read about it or listen to it, but be a participant in life. These days, as I teach songwriting a lot and invite people to climb on the wheel of life as it turns round and round, and to have, you know, be able to make beauty in the world. My one prayer when I sing, when I perform is, help me make something beautiful tonight.
1: Well, you do make a lot of beautiful making, Through your music. What song would you like to start your song of the soul out with?
2: Well, why don't we start with Waterfall? It's the first song on the Changer and the Changed album. And the title of the album, it says The Changer and the Changed, is what I was just talking about, where we are changed, you know, and as Gandhi said, you become the change you wish to see in the world. So you become active in that change. And Waterfall talks about how life itself is like water, all that emotion. Sometimes it's a still pool. Sometimes it's this amazing, fast flowing stream rushing over rocks and, you know, through cracks in the world and bringing what it brings. We are a planet that is all about water. And I've always said water is going to be the major environmental issue for this planet. And so I think waterfall speaks to feeling all right in the world, feeling okay. And the way the chorus rolls out at the end is this joyous, underpinning, with a sort of reggae underpinning, of filling up and spilling over. It's an endless waterfall. You know, that's what we do our whole life. We go empty, we fill up. And then the job is to spill it over. And singers do that, and that's what I do. It's my job. I'm an Aquarius anyway, so that's my actual job in life, is to pour the waters of life all over people. So that's my job.
1: Waterfall by Chris Williamson
0: Sometimes Sometimes it takes a rainy day, just to let you know, everything's gonna be, oh.
1: spilling over like an endless waterfall. The song is Waterfall by Chris Williamson here with us today for Song of the Soul. And that was off of, I guess, her first big album, but it wasn't actually your first album. Changer in the Changed was maybe your second official release, is that
2: right? Well, I guess official, it was preceded by an album that was on Ampex that I released in 70, 71, recorded it in 70 and released on the Ampex labels, which was a major label. And then about six months after I signed with them, they decided not to be a label anymore. And then I was just thrown back on the folk pile, which meant that I toured just like I had before that. Nothing had changed for me except that that album was out there. And a woman named Meg Christian, who was living in Washington, D.C., was a member of a collective of radical lesbians who were looking for something to do, found that album. And she had a musicologist. Aspect in life. She was looking really hard for something that she suspected in her soul was true that when women made music, women who had a feminist consciousness, a rising awareness of women's place in the world, which is that of the powerful, of powerful human beings in the world. Women are not the weaker sex. They are neither weaker nor stronger, but equal and deserve equal pay, equal billing. All of that equality we were looking for, and it was it was a rough go in those early years. But she found my album, learned it, played it to women in d c at this club where she played upstairs from Roberta Flack, who played downstairs, so these women had all learned Joanna, which was on the Ampex album and and then made it on her album by the time I got there i hadn 't even been there yet. I started to play I was doing a concert this applause broke out as I started to play and I'd never been there you know and I was so startled I forgot the words and Meg said them to me and got me back on my feet and then talked to me afterwards asking me what I thought of this thing she'd invented called women's music and I, I really didn't know exactly what she was after there was it music for women by women was it about women who was going to determine what that was could men sing it could men be involved She had just begun this amazing search, and in her search, had picked up this album of mine, and really made a songwriter of me. She acknowledged and honored that. From that point on, I began to turn towards the feminist movement, away from the hippie movement, where I'd been very comfortably in Northern California, and I started writing music that began to emerge from that rising philosophical awareness of women's place in the world, and... Though I I wasn't so specific about gender, because honestly, it's sort of, it is one of the last frontiers, I think, but it's not the most interesting part for me in music. I like to write music that'll be medicine for everybody, but there are certain things that appeal to women, and when they first heard my music, women were the ones who were hungry for it. I was doing an interview with these women in D.C., and I suggested that they start their own record company. And then I left town. I didn't want to be a record company. I just wanted to continue being a free spirit in the world and traveling any way I wanted to and having any philosophy I wanted to. But in that moment, Olivia Records was born, and they did start it and eventually moved to California, where I recorded for them. I was the second album. Meg's was the first, I Know You Know, which I produced. And the great thing about those days is we women gave each other, other women, a chance to play, to learn, and grow on the job, in studios, with music, and it just had never happened before. Men ran the whole show, always. It wasn't like that, that information about how to run a board or sing through a mic was arcane. It was all learnable stuff, but had been kept from us as though it belonged only to men, and so we cracked through that feeling pretty rapidly, and... I think we made a difference in the world so that women now, without any thought at all, can climb to the tops of the charts, playing their own instruments, writing all their own songs, recording their own stuff. It's what we hoped, and I think we we really did make a difference in the world.
1: You certainly did. How about giving us some more music to keep your Song of the Soul moving?
2: Absolutely. Let's go to Song of the Soul, which got born, I was working all up and down the coast of California. And driving home after a gig one night, find myself in my little red squareback VW. This song came through completely. It was whole. I'd been reading all the Don Juan books, the Carlos Castaneda books. So I was thinking a lot about being a warrior, being a spiritual warrior, and what that really means. And so that, you can tell, is infused in there. But I almost had nothing to do with this. It was like everything I'd studied up to that point poured itself out. It's a small set of instructions about, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you are you taking care of other people? Are you singing the song of your soul? So it was a small set of instructions from, apparently, from higher power somehow. that came rolling through me as I'm driving home. So my job was to remember the entire thing till I got home, turned the key off and the ignition, ran upstairs. Ran over to my piano, hit record on my little tape recorder, and caught it. Luckily, I caught that one because it's just been, you know, it's in so many churches. They don't know me or need to know me. This song is out there in the world doing its work apart from me, which is, you can't beat that for a good design.
1: And the song is, of course, theme song for this program, Song of the Soul by Chris Williamson.
0: I'm not afraid to
1: The full uncut version of Song of the Soul. The song is so wonderful and I know it's transformative and energizing for so many people. Thank you for birthing that song into the world.
2: I, I thank whoever sent it and that I was there to catch it. That was just a conduit in those moments.
1: There's one thing about that song that some people may or may not know, the intro that you do to it, which is from a hymn, a, a really beautiful hymn. What was the background or influence that brought that into your music into your life?
2: It was a hymn that I had loved as a child. growing up in Colorado. We went to this really tiny congregational church that had a woman minister named Gertrude Horn, and she'd give the what was called the lesson, not the sermon. And then she'd ask people, invite people to say what hymn that we should all sing. But I remember riding around on my bike in the summer, just singing that hymn. I love hymns, and that hymnal way of writing, which is also very akin to Emily Dickinson's style. In my lyric writing, I am very fond of that style. And I think it, it holds really well in people's memories. People can recall hymns quite easily. There's a good rhyme scheme to it. There's a simple, beautiful elegance to it. So it, it came attached. It just that was the first entry was it came in my mind was open mine eyes that I may see it. You know, it's the invocation of the person whoever sings is, you know, head tipped up towards the heavens, asking for, you know, help, for divination, for opening. So the soul can be opened.
1: Could you tell me a little bit more, Chris, uh, about your religious-spiritual path? I mean, evidently congregational at least was part of your childhood. And you said you you still love hymns, which is not, I think, one of the things that people associate with, for instance, hippies along the way, hymn-singing hippies. Could you talk a little bit about that, your relationship to the religious-spiritual world?
2: I can. On my father's side run long, long lines of Methodists. Methodists are very good hymn singers. They're known as singing Methodists. On my mother's side are Northern Baptists who have a more rollicking style of singing hymns and and also vaudeville on that side. So I became sort of a combination of vaudeville and Methodism. I'm like a sort of a vaudeville preacher often. And Song of the Soul seems like that to me. I went to church a lot as a kid, but we lived, you know, way out in rural in mountains, and so Dad would get out the Bible on Sundays, and we'd have parables a lot, and he also would was a lay minister. His father was a minister, and his mother, my grandmother, was the daughter of a very famous tent preacher in Ohio, so I come by it naturally, both sides. I just loved always, in church, my favorite part was singing in the choir and singing those hymns, and to this day, I'll ask my mother, how was church, and she said, oh, we sang we sang those hymns and, you know, I we would just sing? And we go through it and we'll sing a little bit of them. I know lots of people who love them. I just think it wasn't, you know, we as hippies turned our backs on all institutions for quite a long time because they had failed us and we wanted to reinvent ourselves. But I know many, many people from those days who were drawn back into church, drawn back into the beauty of the music. I think, therefore, then those churches are reinvested with a kind of new life, a new sensibility.
1: Well, we better keep on moving to some more of your music. So what would you like to put up next for this song of the soul?
2: Let's go to, from the same album, The Changer and the Change. let's go to One of the Light.
1: What does that phrase mean to you? Where does it come from?
2: I don't remember where it came from. I just use light and dark a lot, capitalized in my lyrics. Not to mean good or bad, but just a lot of visibility and then things that are more obscure, more hidden, To me, this is my existential piece. It talks about wandering around in your feelings, how many people that I knew are lost and gone from me, and where is the light? You know, where is it? The dove, all those symbolic references. I mean, it could be Jesus. It could be Buddha. I think really this wonderful well of goodness that fills, I think, all human beings and all of life, and how do we tap into that? You know, magnetic true north, show me your face. It's like when you lose your way, you need some guidance. So it was certainly an appeal, existential appeal, for guidance.
1: One of the light, off of Changer and the Changed, Chris Williamson. Third song from Changer and the Changed by Chris Williamson, one of the light. In case you don't know, if you've only heard it, you might not know that Chris is spelled C-R-I-S. So her website is chriswilliamson.com, and you can always, of course, follow the link from my northernspiritradio.org. I am Mark Helpsmeet. This is Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. My website, northernspiritradio.org. Follow links from my site to all my guests. You can hear productions of the last almost six years on northernspiritradio.org. Please leave us comments when you visit. We really would like to get to know you, too. I really appreciate you being here with me, Chris, because, you know, your music has been influential for decades for me. Do you still tour much? I think you do a fair number of workshops.
2: That's correct. It's gotten pretty hard out there for a lot of musicians. The economy is squeezing the arts, of course, almost as if they were non-essential, when in fact they are one of the most essential ingredients to being a human being. I think that there is. So most of us have to learn to be creative in in different ways. And I've been teaching a lot more, not because I don't love performing, because it's my first deep love is singing on stage. You know, it's kind of the one thing that a lot of human beings are terrified of doing. And it's the one thing I'm not scared of doing. I'm scared of lots of other things. And in that regard, that's how a lot of my spiritual music is born. Because when you look at your fears and you face them and, You do writing in the morning and you study and you look at every avenue of every human endeavor. These things are part of the human condition. We're caught between the devils and the angels and got to somehow make sense of all the strange paradise in which we live. And that song itself was coined because I was thinking about that despite feeling like you're a pawn in some master game that's a really bad game, It's probably run by about five guys in a room somewhere who move ponds and, you know, countries fall and people die and wars happen, things we don't any of us want. And how do we get what we want in life? How do we stay stable in all this? How do we find that we still have choice? So that song's all about being able to reevaluate, calm down and say, I still have choice here. What are my choices? I can pick up that garbage over there as if it were the whole world. And I think when you show your intention like that in a beautiful way, it's a very Buddhist kind of life. You grow where you are planted, and you tend to your yard, you tend to your garden, you weed what you can, you do what you can, and you become in the smallest of ways the very change you wish to see in the world.
1: Which is why it's changer in the changed. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Buddha and Jesus and some others. How has your path continued? Your your upbringing has this mixture of congregational and Northern Baptists and Methodists, and clearly there's a lot of your influences which are not so rooted to the, the Christian rootstock there. Where has it gone, or do you have names for what you do?
2: I don't have names in particular, but it's, you know, I love Buddha. I love the Buddhist way of being. I love the Dalai Lama so much. I feel so privileged to be on the earth at the same time as the Dalai Lama. You know, you don't have to study the prophets who are dead. The beautiful people who struggled so hard in this life, Jesus was one of them, and Buddha taught. Everybody, you know, these people I respect taught, and teachers don't get near enough gratitude in this life, I think, because they bother to pass on knowledge and wisdom, any tool that's useful for surviving this life. How you survive really matters in this world. We live for a short time on this earth, and we worship odd things like money and power. And I think you know, anything that keeps us from capital mystery is the wrong way to look at life. I don't want to solve the mystery. I just want to be able to encounter it. So most of these songs are, I want to climb in right next to mystery.
1: I'm pretty sure that if you pick out another song for us to listen to, you'll be showing us another facet of that mystery.
2: Well let's look at Strange Paradise since I mentioned that and look at the choices we still have in life, even as we're up against it and our backs to the law.
1: This is Chris Williamson, Strange Paradise. <laughs>
0: There's no choice
1: What a strange paradise we're living in. The song is by Chris Williamson. Her website is chriswilliamson.com or follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. You want to say some more about strange paradise? By the way, do do you have any kind of a concept of paradise on the earth or beyond the earth?
2: Well, I've seen it. I've been in it. I've lived in it. There weren't any people in it. Just nature, wild and beautiful with no human beings to muck it up. But I've also experienced it in the eyes of children, of children who who just love life, who come at it with the most amazing wonder. I've seen it in animals. I've seen it in kindness. When people are, for no reason at all, are kind to one another, it moves me so much. I think we used to be more like that. People just, you know, going out of their way. Can I help you? Do you need something? Just this kindness, that, that quality of humanity just moves me so much. And it tells me to not give up. You know, that hope, that thing with feathers that perches in the soul, as Emily Dickinson said, is there. It's always there. We just lose, we lose track of it sometimes. So I think our job is through the darkest night to keep the candle burning in the window.
1: You wouldn't want to introduce another song with that line, would you? I would. Just call that male intuition working here.
2: (laughs) Good on you. Let's go to Midnight Oil, which is on my children's album, Lumiere, which means light. It came out a week before E.T. did, and when I saw E.T., I knew I was on the right path as far as looking up. and in kids to look up more in life. You know, they always say that's where the best place to hide because people just trudge through life never looking up, but this is all about looking up, and Midnight Oil is full of that kind of beautiful hopefulness that kids have, that we had as, you know, that I had as children. Not all children have it because many children are placed in terrible, terrible situations. They have no control over it. They're little, and violence comes upon them. And they lose all hope in those moments. And some of them never quite recover it or remember why they should, because it's not to be trusted. You lose it, it gets betrayed by people you're you're supposed to trust. So in that sense, I just went back in my own childhood and all the people I trusted in life. And it's like, don't, don't let it burn, that midnight oil burn low. Don't let it burn out. Let's see how things turn out in the end. You have to stick around even though nobody can give you a perfect reason why. Let's just see how it turns out, because nobody knows. It could be great.
1: Midnight Oil, from Lumiere, by Chris Williamson.
0: Don't let the midnight
1: Williamson's recording Lumiere the song Midnight Oil Chris I wanted to mention I've got right in front of me here I've got the album cover that is as in vinyl of Lumiere with the whole story printed up in there your main protagonist in there Ted you gave him the name x-ray Ted which I think is a pun and I had not thought of you as a punster until I saw x-ray Ted what were you thinking
2: well, I saw it, and I saw that it was X-rated, and then I, I wanted to reinvest it. It goes the other way. I looked at X-rated. I thought about X, and I thought about how X can stand for everything and nothing, and therefore have all sorts of value and none at all. And then I had him come from the planet X. So I, I am a punster. And to me, puns, which are always booed by people who don't do them well, considered one of the highest forms of linguistic humor. You have to have a real knowledge of language, and it's phonics, you know, and I was a phonics kid. My father and I were big punners in our family. The others hissed at them, but we loved them. You know, we would work really hard on getting deeply intelligent ones. X-ray Ted and Glory. You know, a lot of people have gotten really mad at me because they said, You made the protagonist a boy. I said, Look closer. <laughs> Who's his teacher? This beautiful girl who's from another world, her world is blown up, and they've come to him, they've mistaken him for a world because he's so bright, and they're creatures of light, so they follow the brightness, and because they're creatures of light, when they get near a black hole, they are endangered, and he isn't as bright as they yet, so he can save them, and that's when Midnight Oil comes in.
1: The wonderful story behind the songs on Lumiere makes them even more powerful, I encourage anyone interested to pick up a copy of Lumiere at com. You know, Chris, you've really got a great mixture of gifts. gift of storytelling, a very strong mystery-loving spirit, powerful lyrics, and, of course, you've got such a beautiful, moving voice.
2: I'm so grateful to have been given a powerful voice in this world, to speak up for others, to point the little deer paths as they go through the forest and say, let's go there. That's the teaching. You teach people how to begin to see the paths in their own lives. You write something like Song of the Soul or something so simple as If I Live, I'll Be Great. I wrote that song in like two minutes about being exhausted, but a woman wrote me years later saying she had, it had saved her life in surgery when she sang it all through surgery and she was highly anesthetized, but she sang out loud as she was being operated on. And that's the song she sang. So it was useful for her in her life.
1: So would you like to close with that one? I think that's the last that we have time for today, at
2: least. That would be great, Mark. Let's close with that. And before we do, I just want to thank you so much for your interest in this, in the subject at large, and just having me be part of it all these years.
1: It's been a gift to me. We're going to go out with, If I Live, I'll Be Great. Chris Williamson has been with us today. Thanks so much, Chris.
2: You're so welcome.
0: I'll be quick. So much to-